0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the full self-driving beta continues its crazy rollout as Tesla announces a new plan to bring willing new testers into the program. Plus, Elon gives an update on when we might see final design tweaks to the Cybertruck. The Model S Plaid Plus gets a price increase and a delay and more. friends welcome to the march 7th 2021 edition of ride the lightning the tesla unofficial podcast it's episode 293 and as usual there is plenty of interesting stuff to cover this week before i get started i wanted to note for uh, the people that continue to reach out very kindly asking about daisy i have to say i'm not a veterinarian and i know even me saying that all the veterinarians listening are like "Uh uh-oh what's he gonna say that he thinks he's (laughs) an expert at but now it's I, again, without any veterinary medical training, I, it just, she seems better. Her body language, her spirit, like she totally seems like herself. Uh, we The coughing has stopped. I mean, we've still got another five weeks until her next checkup to get another look at her chest and know for sure, but I'm really feeling good about her recovery right now. And, and I'm hoping that's just not my own blind love and optimism. Hopefully the, uh, the medicals will reflect that in another five weeks. But thank you to all of you who continue to reach out and ask about her. All right, time for the Tesla news. There is plenty of it. First, the big story this week, once again, the full self-driving city streets beta, the FSD beta madness just uh, just ongoing and a lot more tweeting from Elon. In fact, the whole first chunk of the show here is going to be walking through some good Tesla updates from Elon on Twitter. first, following up on last week's at the time breaking story of Elon openly soliciting interest in the city streets' full self-driving beta on Twitter. So the next morning, of course, after I recorded, the head of autopilot, Andre Carpathy, said, quote, "Yes." Excited and working hard to grow the full self-driving beta regarding Elon's tweet last night. I do not directly manage the invites. Please email earlyaccess at Tesla.com, which we are using to coordinate the program. End quote. Now before you do that, don't do that. Uh, because Elon then said hours later, quote, due to high levels of demand for the FSD beta, we are adding a download beta button. To the service section of the car's display in about 10 days," end quote. He later clarified exactly what that button would do, and he said, "Assuming the user approves the warning and in, uh, and agrees to drive carefully, it will download the latest QA-tested FSD beta build as soon as the car connects to Wi-Fi. Build 8.3 of FSD should be done QA testing by the end of next week, meaning as you're listening to this." by the end of this week. So that's roughly when the download button should show up. Now, interestingly, later in the week, Elon would go on to note uh, that that whole bit about agreeing to drive carefully, well, they're serious about that. They're using the cabin-facing camera in the beta to make sure that you are actually paying attention to the road, that you are being attentive and not, you know, looking away at your phone or doing anything besides Focusing on the roads, so do bear that in mind uh, if and when you are able to get into the FSD beta so uh, People of course naturally had follow-up questions such as what about Europe? Elon says we will ask the regulators What about Canada? Elon says should be very soon There are many subtle differences between US and Canada roads, so it's harder than it seems end quote and this week More people were added to the beta. I was not fortunate enough to be in that group, but a number of additional folks were, as confirmed by Elon. Uh, In fact, he tweeted Friday afternoon, just a few hours before I went to record the show, saying, "'FSD beta has now been expanded to about 2,000 owners, "'and we've also revoked the beta "'where drivers did not pay sufficient attention to the road,' as I was mentioning a minute ago. "'No accidents to date. "'The next significant release will be in April.'" We're going with pure vision, not even using radar. This is the way to real world AI, end quote. So it sounds like we will all have a chance via that button next month. Not, maybe not uh, the end of the week or, you know, 10 days. It sounds like it's gonna be more like 30 days when we might get a crack at it. Now, speaking of that download button, You know, this is one of those things where, I mean, I respect the heck out of Elon and and what he has driven this company to accomplish, but I think his heart was in the right place here, but maybe he didn't think it through. I mean, for a guy who adheres to first principles problem solving, there were a lot of ways that soliciting a bunch of extra FSD beta testers could have been handled both better and more efficiently. But I think I think he just gets excited about this stuff as I've I've commented before and he just puts it out there sometimes who I feel bad for mostly here is the marketing team and probably autopilot teams who are most likely the ones that had to scramble on a Friday night and into a weekend no less last weekend in order to quickly like and I mean quickly figure out a more practical solution from just looking at Elon's Twitter feed to the thousands and thousands and thousands of replies, which they seem to have arrived at with the idea of just casting the beta out wide with an opt-in button in the car. Now, if you think, well, wait a second, this is just going to be just madness. There's going to be so many people. I mean, you have to remember the pool of people eligible for this probably won't be that big. Or maybe I shouldn't use the word eligible. The the number of people, the pool of people that will probably want to go ahead and opt into this, I think won't be as big as you think it will be in the grand scheme of things, because you have to assume, number one, it's only going to be available to people who've already paid for FSD. So that narrows the pool considerably. Also, you'll need hardware three, which narrows it a bit more because there are probably still some people out there that haven't received their upgrade yet, and or people who might still be on the Autopilot 2 system, which has been promised to work with FSD eventually, but may or may not with this beta, I don't actually know. And then from there, it'll narrow further by being something that by and large, probably only the hardcore enthusiasts like us are even gonna know or care about in the first place. Maybe care about, maybe too strong a word bear, but but be interested in participating in an unfinished beta release. And then from there, you'll still have people, the hardcore like us, uh, and there, there may be some of us who won't want to partake in the beta and would rather wait until the release is deemed fit to be officially and widely distributed. Still though, If you meet all of those criteria, and again, by virtue of listening to this podcast, you are much more likely than not to do so, it sounds like there will be a very tempting button appearing in your car at the end of, well, I suppose maybe not this week or next, as Elon first mentioned, but maybe next month, as he mentioned more recently there about Build 8.3. Regardless, uh, I am looking forward to trying it out if and when I get the opportunity, I saw a, just speaking from personal experience here, or I should say personally relevant experience, I saw a video on Reddit, on the Tesla Motors Reddit, of a guy taking the car through, like right through the heart of San Francisco. He did a big drive all through my city, and uh, that video, I watched the whole thing, I think it was good for me to see in order to ground my expectations. Now, don't get me wrong, it was impressive overall. I mean, it did everything it needed to do. Yes, there were interventions, as you would expect in a, in a beta form, but it was impressive. And remember, of course, it will be getting better with subsequent beta versions. In fact, Elon has already talked up version 8.3, but uh, relative to version 8.2, I should say. But uh, I will say from watching this video of the current build of FSD driving through San Francisco, It does sadly still seem to suffer from what is currently my personal biggest complaint with the auto lane changing on Navigate on Autopilot, which is the closest thing that I have in my car right now to full self-driving. And as I've told you before, I have the auto lane changes disabled. And what happened in the video is, again, moving through the streets of San Francisco, it just didn't seem to act quickly enough. I mean, I get why it's erring on the side of caution as the system continues to evolve, but in real-world San Francisco driving, it just did not seem to be aggressive enough quite yet. Again, that's the key word here, yet. Still, though, as I've said, I very much am looking forward to checking it out whenever I do happen to get the opportunity. Next up this week, responding to a CNBC report that said, SpaceX wants to connect its Starlight satellite internet network to moving vehicles, i.e., Teslas. Elon took to Twitter to clarify CNBC's report saying, not connecting to Tesla cars uh pardon me. let me try that again, not connecting Tesla cars to Starlink as our terminal is much too big. This is for aircraft, ships, large trucks, and RVs. So I bring this up because Starlink, as it pertains to the use in Tesla vehicles, has come up before on this podcast. I've had calls about it. It's come up at earnings calls. I've played clips about it. And Elon has said, he has long said, that Tesla vehicles are not going to get Starlink, at least not anytime soon. Because I do think long term, there's a, actually a probably a very high chance that they will eventually. They own and control the Starlink network. Well, I guess sort of. Not technically, since SpaceX and Tesla aren't officially under the same corporate umbrella, but for all intents and purposes, they are. Elon is the majority shareholder in Tesla, as well as uh, the majority shareholder. I believe he's the majority shareholder as well in SpaceX, which is, of course, still private. So Elon is definitely in the driver's seat on this should he decide that Starlink should go into Teslas at some point. And and you know, really, in the long term, when the Starlink network is mature, it is definitely possible and as I said, probably quite probable that Teslas would switch over to that and go ahead and phase out cellular. That way they don't have to pay ATT. And there other global cellular partners anymore for a for a contract for at least for new vehicles they'll have to support the legacy fleet. But long term, it is there are certainly advantages to to Tesla moving over to Starlink. Another story this week, yes, there are plenty. Responding to a Tesla Rodio report that claimed Tesla uh, Model S Plaid builds spotted ready to leave Fremont factory and deliveries are imminent. Elon saying, "quote." Still many fine details to address, but the final product will be fantastic. There's nothing even close, end quote. Now, I wonder if fine details means hardware stuff, software stuff, or both. I mean, they could still be dialing in little fit and finish things on the hardware side. I mean, after all, it is a brand new interior, so you've got a new process there, new parts there. You want to make sure that your uh, your NVH is okay. And your noise, vibration, harshness. There aren't any squeaks, rattles, any any of that stuff in those new parts. Uh, there could be launch control on the software side because this is a you know the quickest car, quickest production car ever at one point nine nine seconds. Uh, there could be autopilot calibration still being dialed in since I don't know if you've seen the repeater cameras on the uh, model, the new Model S. They're bigger, they're in a different position than they are on the current Model S. So, stuff like that. Now, I had heard through a source that deliveries of the new Model S were due to start already. That they were due to have started at the very end of February. That obviously didn't happen, so presumably it will be soon. I do expect that, even in the worst case, that at least a few of them, barring some Just, you know, show stopping item, at least a few of them are probably going to get delivered by the end of March here, so that when the earnings call and shareholder letter rolls around right afterwards, the Tesla will be able to say that they began deliveries of the new Model S. Because, you know, Tesla, I mean, every company really likes to have good little bullet points like that to tell their shareholders. When their earnings are reported each quarter, although I guess this "quote unquote" delay (air quotes) if, I'm, if it's if it's even fair to call it that, which it probably isn't, since Elon mentioned February, but officially Tesla has always guided uh, the the deliveries to be first deliveries to be in March. It, it does at least this still gives time Elon to do that media call that he said he would do to discuss the new features and details of the new Model S. I would love to hear that call because I'm really eager to learn some of the nitty gritty new things about this upgraded Model S. More Elon tweets. Uh, In fact, one more here for you. When might we get an update on the Cybertruck now that we know its design is finalized and it's 3% smaller? Elon's saying on Twitter, quote, update probably in Q2. The Cybertruck will be built at Giga Texas, so the focus right now is on getting that beast built, referring to the Gigafactory itself. You know, I wonder if there's any chance that they might actually do this update on the Cybertruck as a live demo in Texas at the under construction Gigafactory site. I mean, there's certainly plenty of room to socially distance at that massive facility. And, hey, what better way to give an update on the Cybertruck than to actually show it? Although I suppose, I guess thinking more about it, it is possible that they haven't, in fact, maybe it's even likely that they haven't built an updated prototype to physically show off, and that maybe the final design is still just that, a design for the time being. But we do know that Elon certainly has a penchant for fun in-person events. Look no further than, I mean, look at the last two Tesla events. During the pandemic, we had Battery Day and the Shareholder Day, in which it was a giant drive-in where everyone sat in their own Tesla. And the event before that, pre-COVID, was the cyberpunk-themed, Blade Runner-esque, Cybertruck unveil party. So uh, Elon definitely likes to do the fun stuff, the fun parties. So, um, that being said, I think I would not put it past Elon at all to find a way to do this in Austin, regardless of whether or not there is a new hunk of stainless steel to show off quite yet. In fact, it could be a good way to discuss the facility itself and the unique manufacturing process that they're going to be using in order to build the Cybertruck there. You know, Q2, as Elon said, that's AKA the next three months, Q2 could end up being really, really exciting ones for us Tesla enthusiasts. Look at this, look what's due to happen, probably, you never quite know, but look what's on the calendar for the moment in pencil for Q2. You've got the possible wide rollout of the FSD beta, or at the very least, the sort of voluntary opt-in button in Q2, you've got the official launch of both the new Model S and the Model X as well, and hopefully, as again, the current word of Elon, the rollout of the full self-driving subscription option. We'll find out how much that costs, what the details are there. So there's, uh, there's some big stuff on the table For Q2, and as always, I am looking forward to talking about all of it with you. So stay tuned every week. I'm here every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But I am not done in the world of Tesla news yet. Not even close, actually. There are wow, actually, there are several, several more stories to get to this week. As I scroll down my my uh, how many pages? 17 pages of notes this week. Usually the show is like. 12 or 13 pages of notes, so that tells you how busy things are this week. Uh, next up, the world's biggest battery makers are lining up to get contracts to build Tesla's 4680 cells. In a Reuters exclusive, they write, quote, LG Energy Solution aims to build advanced battery cells for Tesla electric vehicles in 2023 and is considering potential production sites in the United States and Europe, Two people familiar with the matter told Reuters. Tesla has not yet agreed to a deal that would expand LG's role in its supply chain beyond China, one of the sources said. Last week, the Korean battery maker told Korean reporters it plans to build a U.S. factory where it would make battery cells for EVs and energy storage systems to cater to U.S. and global customers as well as startups. It did not identify potential customers then, but one of the sources said it was hoping Tesla would buy the batteries. Quote, LG plans to produce 4680 cells at its new U.S. facility. They plan to build a new 4680 cell line to supply Tesla's Giga Berlin in Europe, one of the sources said, adding that Spain is one of the candidates for the European battery plant. Well, Look now, I mean, again, I like to say pull back and look at the 10,000-foot view sometimes. Look at the ripple effect that Tesla is having on other industries. They are now causing other companies to build gigafactories to make batteries on a massive scale. Not not just like other car companies, which they're doing, or I should say, I should flip that, not just battery companies like LG, but they're going to be, you know, they're going to be causing car companies to have to do it too. So uh, it's just crazy to see that. And you know that, as Elon himself would certainly acknowledge, that is the company's mission statement coming to life right before our eyes. It's great to see it's fun to watch, isn't it, as we get to sit here as Tesla owners and enthusiasts and just just look at the the domino effect, the ripple effect that's happening. It's really cool. Now, as for that LG factory, Okay, well, if there's going to be one in the U.S., where? I wonder if they might build it in in Nevada, where Elon has already said back at Battery Day that Tesla's already secured the rights to a plot of land large enough to supply their needs on a large scale for a long, long time. And also, of course, Nevada's where Gigafactory 1 already is in order for LG to potentially link up nice and easily with Tesla's other supply chains there, and even if not, you would be a fairly short Tesla semi-trip away from the Tesla factory here in Fremont. So Nevada could make a lot of sense. For the same reasons, Texas would also seem like a good candidate. You'd not only have tons of, of land to potentially develop on for said LG battery factory, you'd also have a close proximity to a Tesla Gigafactory. Maybe it could end up being somewhere in between. We know you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, was a finalist for the Gigafactory that ended up going to Austin, so maybe, maybe Tulsa tries to woo LG here for their battery plant. Could happen. Either way, whichever way LG ends up going, uh, I, I am fairly confident, which of course I... I say that based on nothing, right? Like I'm not an, I'm not an expert in business. I'm not an expert on LG itself, but it just seems like the Western half of the U S would be the most logical reason for an LG battery factory. If they're aiming to build 4680 cells for Tesla, you'd want to stay close ish to Tesla's basically three large facilities, right? Giga, Giga, Texas, uh, Tesla Factory, Fremont, and and Giga Nevada. So seemingly, it'll be somewhere closer rather than farther from those places. Speaking of Giga Texas, this is interesting. It seems that Tesla might quietly be building a giant battery system to assist the Texas power grid, which of course it was national if not global news recently. It came uh, that, that same Texas power grid, came under heavy scrutiny recently during the ice storms. Now, this story comes via Teslarati via an original report from Bloomberg. Teslarati writing, As per recent reports, a Tesla subsidiary registered as Gambit Energy Storage LLC is currently building a 100-megawatt-plus battery storage system in Angleton, Texas, about 40 miles south of Houston. The massive, utility-scale battery will be connected to the same grid that failed during the past month's freeze. Despite being built through a subsidiary, the 100-megawatt battery in Angleton could be considered as Tesla's first notable foray into Texas's mainstream energy sector. Quite interestingly, the project almost seemed like it was being built in secret, as workers at the site reportedly kept equipment hidden and onlookers were discouraged. However, the presence of Tesla logos on a worker's gear and several public documents have linked the project to the Elon Musk-led company as per a Bloomberg report. Well, I mean, it makes sense on paper, certainly. Tesla has clearly planted roots in Texas. They've put their stake in the ground. And since Texas's grid is not nationally regulated, Tesla's able to jump in there pretty easily all thing in, you know, in terms of contextually speaking. It's also probably a bit of a direct, maybe, you know, unintentional, but a shot across the bow of fossil fuels as well, given that Texas has obviously historically been a big oil state, and this uh, Tesla project brings sustainable energy into the mix. I do wonder why they've chosen to do this quietly, though. I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, but I wonder why they wouldn't just announce it. Just announce, go public that they're doing it. It's interesting. All right, next up this week, still more. Yes, there is plenty more to talk about. The Model S Plaid Plus, which as you know, isn't even out yet, has seen a price increase of $10,000. And on top of that, delivery first deliveries have shifted from fall of this year to mid-2022, the Plaid Plus S now starts at 150000 maxes out at 169000 if you check every box you possibly can, meaning multi-coat red paint, since that's the most expensive paint option, uh, the 21-inch arachnid wheels, $10,000 full self-driving, white interior, and I think, I think that's all of it. Anyway... Uh, this car of course was only announced a month ago. So hopefully I don't, I don't have confirmation on this because I believe those who put in an order for this just have a, a typical thousand dollar reservation, like a deposit. So if you have a, uh, a, if you've ordered a plaid plus, I would like to hear from you because you can just email me. You don't have to call in necessarily. I would be curious. Hopefully Tesla is going to honor the lower price from when you from when those first first movers put in their orders I mean that would be the the right thing to do Tesla has traditionally done that so hopefully that's going to be the case here I mean I guess and if it is the case then then hey the the early adopters of plaid plus will save 10 grand on their car which one way you could look at that you'd get sort of quote unquote free FSD. Free full self-driving package. Uh, Now, I'm certainly scratching my head at why here. Why did Tesla decide to do this? Both the price increase, the delay is a little more obvious, I'll get to that in a second, but the price. I mean, usually Tesla's price adjustments mostly go the other way, although hold that thought for... (laughs) Not this week, as I'll get to in a minute, but, you know, the the, the notable exception is that uh, FSD has mostly only ever gone up in price except for a very brief window where it went on quote-unquote sale in what that was i think late february of 2019 but anyway fsd has always gone up but i wonder is it that tesla got too many orders for the plaid plus relative to their uh expectation of of the number of orders they would get and the limited supply of 4680 battery cells they expect to have, and thus maybe they wanted to scare off some people on purpose by raising the price? Or is it the other way The Tesla has received fewer orders than they expected for the Plaid Plus, and so they figure they might as well just crank the price up in order to increase profits on on the people that do decide to order, figuring that 10 grand is probably not going to make or break the decision for the people that are buying that kind of car at that kind of price point. I don't know. Now, I guess another option comes to mind, just trying to think through it more logically. Maybe the initial 4680 cell output or expected volume is lower. The cell, the actual batteries' uh, volume is lower than they had initially anticipated. Uh, for for fall of 2021. And so they're raising prices to account for that increased cost of those new batteries since there will be fewer of them. Again, it could be all of the above given the delay on top of the price increase that, hey, they're trying to scare away buyers from a car that they are going to be battery constrained on and that won't be out for over a year from now and that they would rather you know, raise the price on that to try and convince those same buyers to go ahead and purchase a car that Tesla can build them and deliver right now, which is the regular Plaid Model S. There's also something else to wonder out of this. Does If there is a battery issue here, a battery supply issue, will this mean that the Plaid Plus S could end up coming out at about the same time as the Roadster, or is the Roadster going to be pushed back again? All of these, all of these questions are important, interesting questions that the community would like answers to, and hopefully Elon will do that call that he mentioned. I already talked about it on this podcast, that he said on the earnings call, oh, I'm going to do a, a call about about the new S&X to talk through all the new features I really hope he does that, uh, because I would love to sit in on that call if and when it happens. I mean, That's assuming that they set it up the way they set up an earnings call where they do a Q&A portion. All right, speaking of price adjustments, as I alluded to moments ago, the Standard Range Plus Model 3 and the Long Range Dual Motor Model 3 each went up by $500, The performance Model 3 did not, as you remember, the Model 3 performance already had a $1,000 price increase very recently, and the long-range Model Y went up $1,000 as well. So again, not quite sure the rhyme or reason to these. I mean, I guess Tesla figures they can get away with it without it affecting sales. I mean, that is the ultimate measuring stick, right? It's how what can you charge that everyone that people are willing to pay. I mean, I suppose if you look at it, the standard range plus three is still down 500 from where it was just a few weeks ago, not very long ago at all, 37.5. And then the Model Y, meanwhile, now starts. You cannot get a Model Y for less than $50,000. And Tesla must really feel like they've got plenty of demand, and all evidence does suggest that they do, since, of course the standard range Model Y is gone. So the Y starts at 50 now, whereas the Model 3 starts at 37.5. So there's now a pretty big disparity between the base Model 3 and the base Model Y. That is uh, that is interesting. They'd, they'd been pretty close there for the brief window that there was a, a standard range Model Y, but no longer. Finally this week... Remember that 62-stall V3 supercharging station in Santa Monica that I mentioned last week, which would have been, had it been constructed, the largest V3 supercharger in the world, since, again, the Shanghai 72-stall site is all V2s. Well, that Santa Monica project has hit a snag. Tesla Teslarati reporting, after being approved by the city commission on March 3rd, a follow-up meeting on March 9th proved that the two lots Tesla planned to utilize for the new supercharger project are being included in an emergency interim zoning ordinance for potential housing in Los Angeles," End quote. Well, I am certainly very familiar, or at least aware of, the housing crisis in California. I mean, it's it's a very serious situation here in San Francisco as well. Uh it's, you know, it's there's just not enough affordable housing. So I want to say I don't have the full context to form my own educated opinion on this with regard to Santa Monica. I will say that I'll just have to trust that that city's leadership's heart, collective heart, is in the right place on this. The only reason that it's still a bit of a head-scratcher to me is because, again, they just voted to approve it days before. So that's a bit odd. But anyway, moving forward, because that's all we can do from here, the emergency interim zoning ordinance puts, basically it puts the project on ice for a minimum of 45 days and a maximum of two years, or I guess I suppose it's more like a maximum of forever, if indeed they decide to build homes there instead of allow for Tesla to to, uh, do their supercharger construction. Either way, either way, I have to suspect that Tesla's gonna be looking into alternate sites at this point, which I'm sure they'd probably already done prior to arriving at this site. I'm sure they had other spots that they were looking at. Although, as I said last week, I would imagine that real estate near downtown Santa Monica and the Third Street Promenade and the Santa Monica Pier Probably pretty tough to come by. So we'll see if Tesla ends up needing to scrap their supercharger plans for for downtown Santa Monica altogether. That would not surprise me if, if that ends up being the case. I mean, I've, I've been there a number of times as I talked to you about last week. There are plenty of multi-story parking garages right down there at the promenade, but I have no idea who owns them or if an arrangement could be worked out to put them in there. Because there are plenty of parking garages around the country, around the world, that have superchargers in them. So it's not, superchargers don't solely exist on flat ground. There are plenty of them in parking garages all over the place. So you never know, maybe that's an option there, maybe a, a probably a more expensive option than the lot that that Tesla was trying to get. So we'll see what happens there. But, oh well, you know, for the time being... Fireball remains the world's largest V3 supercharging site and North America's biggest supercharging site, period. And that is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week. But stick with me, I've got plenty of your awesome and excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls lined up for you. Stay tuned right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning hotline. As, of course, Daisy times her water drinking perfectly for this. Anyway, uh, I would love to hear from you if you want to call into the show and be a part of the podcast. You can call in any in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question as usual. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can leave that same 90-second or less message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. Just call in any time. It's toll-free, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Ken is up first reacting to the idea of the hovering roadster with the SpaceX package. Go ahead, Ken. Hey Ryan, it's Ken, I uh, could be missing something, but I don't think you'll be standing under a hovering roadster, even if you're stone drunk. It seems to me that the force required to keep that heavy of an object that far off the ground is going to make a lot of downdraft, and you're, it's not going to let you get real close to it. Now it might kick up a lot of debris and gravel, so you probably still aren't going to want to it close to a crowd or other vehicles or buildings for that matter. Uh, That was my thought, maybe you'll get something more definite from a physics expert, thanks. You know, Ken, you make a great point. You are absolutely right about this. The loud sound is one thing, although I'm not sure if it's gonna be loud the whole time that the thrusters are activated or just when they're first fired, but uh, it's certainly going to be pushing a whole lot of air downwards in that scenario, such that you probably won't want to be standing directly underneath it. Thank you very much for calling in. We'll see. Uh, we'll see when we finally get a proper live demo of the SpaceX package and what it can do. Whether that's going to be this year or, as I would expect, it probably sometime next year. Chad from Nebraska is next. Go ahead, Chad. Ryan, this is Chad Carlson from Aurora, Nebraska. I love your podcast. It's incredibly informative and educational. And it's just a joy to listen to each week. I pre-ordered and have a reservation for the Cybertruck. And it looks like I'm in the queue at about number 300 or 400,000. So it's going to be a little bit before I get it, I'm assuming.
1: But I would love nothing more than to be able to purchase the ATV at the same
2: time. So curious if you have any updates on the ATV or if you know anything about it, uh, if it'll be made available uh, at the same time. And then if you
0: have any specs or any information on what that ATV will look like or can
2: do. Again, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Take care.
0: Chad, thank you very much for the kind words. I really appreciate that. In fact, uh, I don't feel worthy of them because I have to tell you, I don't have a great response to your call. I haven't heard a thing about the ATV, a.k.a. the CyberQuad. All I can really say is that the surest sign that it's still happening is that it was lined up alongside the other Tesla vehicles uh, flanking the stage at Battery Day last September. However, uh, I do have to imagine realistically that it's an extremely low priority for Tesla. And I want to again emphasize I have no inside information on this thing. My hunch is that it's probably not going to be available at the launch of the Cybertruck. Now, you indicated that you're, you think you're fairly far back in line, so will it be available to order with the truck by the time your place comes up in line? Well, maybe, but that's obviously just impossible to know right now. I have no doubt, though, that it is going to be a very, very fun vehicle that... Tesla is probably going to make you sign quite a legal waiver in order to buy since uh, ATVs aren't really known to be as safe as, say, Tesla cars in general. But let's hope that Tesla offers a very sweet Cybertruck or cyber... How about a cyberpunk-themed helmet to go with it, right? You got to have a cool helmet to go with the Cyberquad and your Cybertruck. So hopefully they're I mean, we've seen Tesla's designers. I mean, they, Tesla's the design team under Franz von Holzhausen designed an awesome looking bottle of tequila. So surely them, they must have some cool sketches for what they want to do for helmets that complement the, uh, the cyber quad in the truck. So we'll see about that. Thanks for your call. Dylan in Austin is up next.
2: Hey Ryan, this is Dylan in Austin, Texas. I have a 2021 Model 3 long range all-wheel drive and I took it on my first long road trip from Austin, Texas to Central Kansas straight up I-35 the whole way and I just had a couple of thoughts about uh, what I learned on my first long trip. First of all, I really don't know that enhanced autopilot was all that necessary, especially for that long of a trip. Uh, the standard autopilot worked great. It was like cruise control on steroids. It made the drive so much nicer. Uh, but I don't know that I would recommend enhanced autopilot if if that was the kind of driving you wanted to do. Uh, second, learned a lot of lessons about charging. Uh, You know, you have to really trust what the car tells you. Otherwise, you'll spend way more time charging and it really significantly lengthens the trip as it stood. It turned about a nine and a half hour trip into, you know, closer to a, a 12 hour trip all in all, which you know, I probably could do a little bit better as I get, uh, you know, get more used to the car and get more used to the charges. But, uh, you know, the trusting the car and trusting what it tells you to do really is the way to go. Anyway, those were just my thoughts on a first long road trip. Love the podcast. Thanks.
0: Dylan, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on your new Model 3. Uh, First, you are absolutely right that out on the interstate, navigate on autopilot features aren't really gonna do too much for you, aside from taking your exits off-ramp automatically and prompting you to pass slower cars. NOA's real benefit, though, is in town on the freeways because that's where you're probably, as you own the car, gonna do the bulk of your highway driving. Second, uh, I went through exactly the same thing you did on my first long road trip. I charged way longer than I needed to because I wasn't sure that I could trust the car yet, right? And I didn't want to end up stranded somewhere. I have since learned that I totally can uh, trust the car and that the same trip that I've done, you know, a few, couple, t- well, I guess twice, twice to Phoenix and twice to L.A. So <laughs> part of that, yeah, the and the, the the Phoenix trip involves the same leg as the L.A. run. But anyway... Um, I have learned that I can trust the car and now that trip to Arizona goes, it went much more quickly the second time than it did the first time. In fact, I plan on making that drive again once my entire family's fully vaccinated since my parents fortunately already are. And now the CDC guidance says that that's, you know, those, those, uh, small family gatherings with everybody vaccinated is totally good to do. I mean, I could just fly, but I'd rather bring Daisy since I think we'll just go down there and hang with them for a week. So I will probably hit the road in my model three. Anyway, uh, I am glad that you're enjoying the car and thank you so much for calling in. Next up is Mark from near Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome Mark.
3: Hi Ryan. It's Mark from near Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, love the show. Love what you do. for the community. Thank you so much. Uh, learned so many things uh, uh, from the show and, Share it with my father-in-law. is a new Tesla owner as well. I have a Model Three myself. We have some snow right now in Vancouver, not often. And I've noticed that the the fan, the climate control, everything shuts off in the car when I'm preheating to go for a drive. Did happen yesterday where preheating the cabin, and then I open the trunk of the car to do something, unload or load things up, and the climate shuts off in the car. And if you don't notice it, you go on your merry way and close the trunk Car's no longer preheating so it happened yesterday uh when i was trying to keep the family warm in the house i'm loading things in the car in the trunk and when the trunk was open the entire time the uh, cabin wasn't on so i think it's an oversight in programming because again we are in a kind of somewhat cold climate sometimes and that may not be the case for the engineers in california of course and I'm wondering if the community can help us or help me with that. Uh, thanks again. I uh, love what you do for the community. Cheers and say hi to uh, Daisy the, box, the pup, uh puppy as well. Okay, thanks. Bye.
0: I have noticed the same thing, Mark. If I'm preconditioning the cabin remotely, opening the trunk cancels it out. Uh, I agree that it does seem like an oversight. I mean, if you're going to turn it off for energy conservation slash energy efficiency purposes while the frunk is open it would make sense for it to automatically turn back on once you close the, the trunk again, right? I wonder what Tesla's reasoning is for this. It seems like one of those things where colder climates uh, might have really caused Tesla to take action on this one already if they weren't a California-based company. Hmm. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for your call. Let me go next to Rod from Frederick, Maryland. Go ahead, Rod.
4: Hi, Ryan. Rod Simmons, longtime listener from Frederick, Maryland. On show number 286, you were talking about the upgrade of the infotainment system for Model S and X owners that had a price reduction from $2,500 to to $1,500. The thing that has prevented me from doing this upgrade, and I think others should consider it, is that you lose your free premium connectivity that you currently have once you do the infotainment system upgrade. Which just means, like Model Three and Model Y owners, you'll have to pay nine ninety nine a month. What is unclear to me is from what I've read, it sounds like you only have to pay that nine ninety nine if you want to access advanced features such as Netflix and YouTube, which I'm more than happy to access when I connect my phone to my car. So, I'm hoping you might have some information as to is it actually required, like would I lose? My current mapping data and my traffic information and streaming music, if I don't pay the $9.99 a month? That's just a question. Hopefully, you can help out. Thanks.
0: Rod, thanks for calling in with this. Uh, This is the first time I've heard of it, and this is rather unfortunate if that is indeed the case. I mean, your lifetime premium connectivity should be tied to the car, not to the MCU. And when I say should, I am giving my opinion there. Unfortunately, I don't know for sure about the actual policy behind it, but you are correct that live traffic data and streaming music would go away if you don't pay the $10 a month. I actually texted my cousin Pat in Arizona about this because he's got a 2013 Model S and he did the MCU 2 upgrade not too long ago. And I asked him if he's having to pay now and he said no, that he has not had to pay. So hopefully you'll be fine if you upgrade uh, I should also take this opportunity to point out something I should have mentioned when I first talked about this, uh, this subject, The Tesla seemingly lowered the price of the MCU upgrade because of the threat of a recall of the 158,000 S's and X's affected by the EMMC memory unit in the MCU1, uh, which, as discussed in a previous episode, is basically guaranteed to fail at some point. Listener David Felix wrote in with his opinion on this, which I certainly can't argue with. I wanted to read it to you now real quick. He said, quote, Tesla should do the right thing, issue a full recall, refund those who've paid for MCU replacement, Uh, say they're sorry for not taking care of this sooner, generate goodwill with early adopters and comply with what the NHTSA has asked them to do. Tesla isn't a fledgling automaker anymore. It's time to treat its customers like other companies have learned to, sometimes with millions of cars on the road. This is only 158,000 cars, end quote. And of course, since uh, both Rod's call and uh, Dave's email there, Tesla did do the recall at the government's behest and... Tesla has now sent out emails informing customers that they may be eligible for refunds if they had this done and paid for it previously. So thank you very much, Rod, for your call on this and Dave for your email. All right. I think one more call this week. Evan from St. Louis with a plea to his fellow Tesla owners. Go ahead, Evan.
1: Hi, Ryan. This is Evan in St. Louis. Really enjoy the show. The purpose of this call is not so much um, a question, but more of a plea to fellow Tesla owners, and I'll give you a reason why. Um, My daughter and I were driving southbound, south of St. Louis, on Interstate 55 on Sunday, February 28th, and the reason why I'm being so specific is I'm hoping the Tesla driver that we were so excited to see on the highway is listening, because... As we approached the driver, we were so excited to wave and say hello to a fellow Tesla owner. And when we looked over, the driver was not paying attention and had both hands on his phone, texting, not even looking at the road. You know, I was very disappointed just because this is a reason for full self-driving to be held up. Um, it was a bad example for my daughter who I try to be a good example for when I'm driving by not texting and driving. I put my phone in the charger and I leave it. So, you know, we, we didn't end up waving. We just continued. Well, he sped up. He was obviously on autopilot. Um, and then, so a few minutes later he started to pass us. And so we're like, okay, maybe we'll give him another chance. We'll wave. So as he begins to pass us. We look over and he's still doing the same thing. It was a gray Model Y, so sir, if you're listening, come on, man, please be better. Ryan, love the show, sorry for the length. Have a great day.
0: Hey, Evan, well, unfortunately, there are bad drivers out there of every make and model. I mean, the the Tesla community is wonderful overall, but you know, like any group of folks, it's certainly not perfect. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuse for the guy. It is an unsafe thing to do. I've had autopilot screw up on me and require immediate attention, whether it was a phantom braking instance or something like that. And so, you know, not being attentive to the road is is just unsafe. It's just not a good idea, uh, even with autopilot activated. I see it all the time out here in California on, on cars that don't have the benefit of autopilot, which uh, is even scarier to me. All you can really do, though, uh, for yourself is do what you're doing, which is stay alert and stay vigilant. Thanks so much, Evan. Thanks to everybody that called in. Again, I'd love to hear from you if you want to leave a question on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. You can call in in one of the two easy ways that I mentioned at the top of this segment. Stick around, though. I'm not quite done. Got the pro tip of the week for you and a bit more right after this. I thought I would take my spirit of adventure section of the show to tell you a little bit about the Fireball event last week that was through the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club. I want to thank John and the club leadership for putting that together. It went great. It was a lot of fun. That's the first time that I've done any club, any Tesla event in quite a while. I guess actually since, well, for me, since Battery Day. So it's been a while. But yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. We... There was an option, you know, people were coming from everywhere. So there was an option to meet up at a San Jose, California, supercharger and then caravan the about two hours down to the Fireball station, which, of course, as I mentioned, it's the biggest one in North America, 56 V3 stalls. And so I went ahead and did that because San Jose, I mean, it's on my way anyway, effectively to the Fireball station. So I went down there, met up with everybody. And it was fun, man, being in a a giant Tesla caravan. I mean, inevitably, it kind of broke up into groups because we're not the only cars on the road. But at, for most of it, I was in a group of anywhere between like half a dozen and a dozen Teslas at a time. And in fact, I have a pretty good picture. Well, maybe not a great picture. It's a, a decent picture on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, if you're interested in that. Of uh, one of the pictures I posted is us at an off ramp and that's curving. So and and we were all stopped. So I took out my phone and took a picture of that. And I mean, you can't see the cars behind me, but in front of me you can see. I think it was something like twelve or fourteen in that picture. It was just really really neat to see. So that was fun. And then we of course got to the supercharger, and uh, we just everybody kind of took shifts charging. We there were spaces left for actual travelers people that were just coming through that were that were moving i mean we didn't take it over take it over so (laughs) we we wouldn't do that but yeah it was uh it was a really nice event the the 56 stalls are in sort of two clusters and well mostly two clusters and then there's sort of a little third spot but uh, the bulk of them are are under the two two canopies which is nice because i'm sure it gets hot there in the summertime and there's solar panels on top of those canopies, so that's really, really cool to see. There are, there's a McDonald's right there. There was a, well, a gas station right there, which is certainly not relevant to Tesla owners, other than the restrooms, I guess. And uh, and we'll see what else is going to go in there at some point. But pretty cool station, tons of chargers, and the the turnout was huge. There were, I mean, there had to be. Oh, I, in fact, I think. I think Rome Strack, who uh, a loyal listener, who I actually finally got to meet in person. I believe he with his drone counted like a hundred and two cars or something. It was a heck of a turnout. It was a great event. Great to meet uh, a lot of listeners, including Rome and, and some other folks that I hadn't actually met face to face before. So that was a lot of fun. Great meeting a lot of you there. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of nice to get out and see people, and you know, just made sure I was. Everybody was masked and, and uh, uh, tried to make sure I was doing social distance and all that stuff and I felt okay about it. So, yeah, good times. Thanks again to the Silicon Valley Club for putting that together. And, uh, and yeah, the, the only thing that happened to me, which I ended up making a service appointment after I got home because I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? This is not supposed to happen. I'm going to bring it in for service and see if they can figure something out. After I left the supercharger in San Jose, I uh, got back on the freeway, you know, with with everybody else, turned on autopilot, and the car started, and I, I really am not exaggerating here, like drunkenly swerving within the lane it was supposed to be locked into, and this happened to me one other time, I talked about it on the podcast, it was probably... Oh, I don't know. it was months ago because I've barely done any supercharging while uh, during the pandemic because I haven't really gone anywhere. But this happened to me one other time, and it happened again here where I turned on autopilot and the car just starts just diving out of the lane to the right and then swerving back and kind of just like making a snake pattern in the lane and and even as I said out of the lane. And I you know I'd seen this before and so I was frustrated. I did a, a reboot, you know, just pulled in both scroll buttons until the car reboots. And I had it under manual control during that time. And sure enough, when it came back online, when it, you know the screen came back up, I turned autopilot back on and it worked fine from from there on out. And it did not occur again after supercharging a bit at Fireball. And then I even went because by the time I got home, I had fairly low charge. And I thought, you know what? Let me uh let me go to a V3 charger cuz there's a, another there's a new V3 down in San Mateo, which I think I might have mentioned. It's uh I forget how many it is, maybe 12, 14 all V3s. And I thought, you know what? I'm really low here, and that's where you know, that's when you get the peak 1000 mile per hour 250 kilowatt rate. Let me see if I can go actually get the max rate cuz I was down to about 60 miles or about 20%. In fact, by the time I actually got there it was less. It was more like 15. So I did that that same evening after I'd gotten home, supercharged up to I don't know, 70% and then headed home right back on the freeway and it was fine. It was fine. So I can't I can't replicate this thing, but I made a service appointment anyway and just told that Tesla asked me what where were you? What time was it? I gave them all the information I could, even told them I rebooted, so if you're able to kind of check the logs and see a reboot, you'll, that's when it was. And uh, yeah, I get a call at the end of the day after they they told me, uh, I had my appointment yesterday. They told me, we'll probably have it for a couple days, So and they were kind enough. They did have a Model S loaner, so I, I was able to get that. And they called me, or well, they they sent the message through the app, the text message through the app, at the end of the first day and said, your car's ready. And so I texted back and like, okay, well, what'd you find? I thought since they told me two days and it was done in one, I was like, they must have found something and fixed it. But nope, they just, they, they supercharged and tried to replicate it. They couldn't do it. The logs didn't show anything abnormal. So they, uh, they gave the car back and, and said, well, maybe it was like the lane markings were weird in the road and, and they're you know, they don't know they weren't there and, but I know for sure. I mean, I'm not a software engineer. For sure, this was not a, a lane marking problem because this has happened twice, both times after supercharging, which can't be a coincidence. So I don't know what the heck it was, but uh, at least rebooting did fix it. So, you know, when the, when the vaccines or when we're all vaccinated, and like I said, I plan to go visit my fully vaccinated parents in Arizona for the first time in, in what, a year and a half, something like that. Uh, I don't really want to be having random <laughs> drunk super ch- drunk autopilot <laughs> usage during that trip, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's it's an unfortunate thing. It clearly should not be happening, but sadly Tesla could not officially find anything and, and take any action. But anyway, uh, speaking of that fireball event, your pro tip of the week this week comes, from me, but via Fred Sauer, who is one of the Tesla owner Silicon Valley club members. And Fred mentioned this to me after I got there. So the quick backstory on this one is that uh, when I departed my house in San Francisco for San Jose, which if you're familiar, it's about a 50, 55 minute ride. Like it's, they're not super close. Uh, it's not like it's just the next town down. And it's, and so I put in the destination of the uh, you know, the, that particular San Jose supercharger. And as soon as I left my house, it started preconditioning the battery for, for faster charging as it does, as you've all seen, except I was 55 <laughs> minutes away. And so, and, uh, and my energy usage was huge. My watt hour per mile went, so apparently when it's preconditioning, it's, it's definitely using a lot of extra juice and your efficiency goes down, but the, the trade-off is when you do get to the supercharger, you you charge up faster. So that's the calculated trade-off that Tesla has made with preconditioning. And so I was I was mentioning that to a group of people down at the at the initial meetup in San Jose and and Fred mentioned, oh well if you just tap that on the screen, the tap the preconditioning, it stops doing it. And the go and that it, it will it will stop that which I told him the honest truth. I hadn't even thought to try touching it because there's no button that says cancel or anything. It's just on there. I didn't even think to try touching that. So in case that is ever useful to you where the, you don't want the car to precondition for whatever reason, whether it's something like my case where you're still really far away from your supercharger destination or what, you just tap that battery preconditioning message at the uh, on the top of your screen there and it will stop doing the preconditioning. So thank you very much, Fred, for that. And if anybody out there has their own pro tip of the week that they would like to share with their fellow owners and enthusiasts, please call in with it. You dial in, uh, you know, send in your call in one of those two easy ways, the same way that you send in a regular hotline call as I described to you earlier in the podcast. All right, and with that, let me just mention a few friends of the podcast and then I will get out of here. Hopefully some of these folks can be useful to you. First, uh, shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. One thing in particular I just wanted to mention here, because uh, they were mentioning it to me, and, and this is definitely a very useful product that I do endorse. They've got a premium rear seat pet cover for all four cars. In fact, there are two variants. There's the the hammock style one, and then there's one for just the rear cargo area, which... You know, you're not going to use that in the three, but in the, in the hatchbacks, in the X, Y, and S, you, if you want to put your dog in the, in the rear hatch area, there's a a cover, you know, a pet cover for that too. So I use a pet cover in my car. Uh, I highly recommend it. They're great. And the one that Tesla Teslarati uh, Marketplace has is really thick. It's really nice. It's just a gray, you know, kind of a nice neutral color, nothing nothing too crazy. It'll kind of blend in with the car. So if that is of use to you, if you're a, a uh, fellow dog owner that wants to protect your seats, protect your cargo area, you can either get the version with the hammock or uh, get the, sep- the separate one that's the, for the rear cargo space, shop.teslarati.com slash RTL on that. Uh, meanwhile, abstractocean.com that is the one-stop shop for well, practically everything, as I've said before. They've got all kinds of stuff. The cup holder stabilizer to really make sure you have two cup holders and not the tube, but with the gap in between, and the cups don't always you know, they don't always they're not always like really firm in place. That's a nice little product the uh, the lighting kits. For the that go under the front seats, for that nice that footwell lighting kit, that's really nice. Just a ton of stuff on there. The uh, center console wraps as well. I mean, I those are those are uh, uh, super useful as far as I'm concerned. Again, because of the the scratchy and fingerprinty nature of the original Model 3 and Model Y uh, center console. So anyway, abstractocean.com. And use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout and get 15% off of your first order there. Just my advice is to browse around, get everything you want at once rather than like buy something, you know, now and then next week when you maybe need something. Get it all because you got to use that coupon code, that one-time coupon code. Immaculate Reflections will take excellent care of you and your car if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. Jeff is a wonderful human being And an extremely talented detailer And he is offering a discount To listeners of this show So whether you're looking for paint correction Ceramic coating Paint protection film On some or all of the car Jeff at Immaculate Reflections Will I guarantee you will leave happy Like I literally guarantee You will leave happy Your car will look better And it will be more protected It will be uh, It will leave there better than it came in I promise you so to learn more or and or book in with Jeff, do so at his website, which is irdetailing.com. And then the puretesla.com slash RTL link. That's the place to go to for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Just a nice little micro SD-based solution that plugs into the USB port in your car. It comes pre-formatted and ready to go. It's uh it's just gonna last, it's just gonna work. 49 bucks. For the 128-gig kit, that's what I'm using. There's also a 256-gig kit if you want to step up. PureTesla.com slash RTL. And then finally, my friends at Jada, they've got now, they're up to three products uh, with uh, the new one coming. In fact, I think the new one might be announced. Uh, I'll I'll wait till next week to make sure, (laughs) but the... uh, They've got the wireless charging pad for Model 3s, the USB hub for 3s and Ys. Uh, If you want to get either of those, use the coupon code RTL to get a discount. And if you would, please do so. Purchase via my referral link, because full transparency, they'll throw a couple bucks my way from the sale if they know that you came via Ride the Lightning, which they will know that because you'll use my link, which is get slash r e f slash eight and jada is spelled j e d a finally just want to plug the patreon real quick it's that time of the show where uh i tell you that i am happy to do this i love doing this but it is a lot of time it is a lot of effort it is a lot of research etc and if at some point that you feel the uh the desire or or uh ability to support my efforts of the podcast, it really would mean a lot to me. Uh, the, the the various support tiers, you know, I've tried to make it a rewarding thing where if you do the, I mean, the, the base tier is five, the $5 tier, I call that the sport tier, you know, naming them all after Tesla drive modes. The The $5 a month tier will get you early access to each week's show. So you can listen on Saturdays instead of waiting till Sunday. But then that goes up from there, there's the next tier up as you get the early access and a monthly bonus mini episode. In fact, the one I just did back at the, I did it, what, last, was it last week or? Gosh, I don't know when it was. It feels, time is meaningless now. But I just did a, a big, long behind the scenes talk about the day I interviewed Elon. So kind of the the behind the scenes of that. So there's that, there's, there's, just the perks go on up. So again, you know, the show will always be free. It's always there, but it's uh. If you, if you see to it at some point that maybe you can throw me some support, boy, it would, uh, it would make a heck of a difference in my life. So the website to go to for that, it's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. As I mentioned, uh, I think last week, there are also annual subscription options. So if you just want to pay once for a year, you can support me that way as well. Uh, and doing so actually, you, by, you know, giving me a year of support, you'll get a 5% discount. So it's almost, depending on the tier, it's kind of like one month free in a sense. So that's that. And finally, uh, the, well, I mentioned my Instagram uh, email, I've told you, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Let me end, of course, with the shout outs to the upper tier Patreon supporters, starting with the Roadster and Space tier, orbiting the earth with their awesomeness. Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, and the newest Roadster in Space backer, upgrading. Thank you so much, longtime listener, longtime supporter of this podcast, Lawton from Chicago. Thank you so much, Lawton. And then the Maximum Plaid crew: Pete White, Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker Forty Two, John Schmidt, Stan Roth. Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, and the newest Maximum Plaid tier backers, Todd Badger. Todd, uh, Todd, I'm so sorry I missed your shout out last week. I apologize for that. And the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Thank you to everybody in the San Joaquin Valley Club for supporting the podcast. I do appreciate it. And then the Plaid Level supporters, the newest one there, Travis Krenzel. Travis, thank you so much. Along with George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman jeremy tesla owners of taiwan jeremy harris ron lee john cody charlie gillespie david Perella sunil joseph dennis peak will steadman stig mickey jensen jeff angwin chase cabanillas the lydia family michael regal chris beach aaron altshul jared brown jerome strack jamie dalton noel and lucy murphy the tesla owners club of the east bay scott gillis paul casarino ryan natchett Mike and Barbara from Louisville, and David J. House. Thank you all so very much for your continued support on Patreon. That will wrap it up for me. I've been talking long enough. Another fun and busy week of Tesla news. I hope at least some of you out there hopefully got into the new 2,000-person round of the full self-driving City Streets beta. Uh, I, I trust you'll drive safe, but have fun, too. That's, that's going to be really cool to just be, you know, experiencing that at at the ground level, really. So that's very cool stuff. For a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I am Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 293. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week.